starting a new chapter here in Proverbs and chapter number 18 tonight. Amen. Thank you for your faithfulness here on Wednesday night. I'm grateful to have you here for the Bible study. And for those of you that are new to us on a Wednesday night, we just are studying verse by verse through the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is the book of wisdom. It's the young man's book. And Solomon didn't write all these, but he compiled them. Many of them uh, he did write, but he compiled them for his son, Rehoboam, and gave it to him. And uh, would to God Rehoboam had a, had, would have had enough sense to realize what his dad had given him. And, uh, but uh, we can learn, and God has uh, preserved this book for us, and I'm thankful for it. And we're going to dive into chapter number 18. Get a pen, make a few notes along the way. And ask God to give you something. Father, we love you. We need you. We need your wisdom so we can teach thy wisdom. And through the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, help me to communicate. But also help those who hear that we might be spirit-filled as a speaker and spirit-filled as listeners. Realizing that without you, neither myself nor those that hear will profit at all. Except you be involved. And so help us to that end in Jesus' name. Amen. Proverbs chapter 18. Through desire, a man having separated himself seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. Through desire. Through desire. So here's a a short statement for you. Wisdom is for those who desire it. Wisdom is for those who desire. Desire it. Do you know God has enough sense to know if we really want something or not? Do you know that? A lot of things we fancy that we want, uh, but uh, you ever you ever think you just had to have something? Just had to have it. Just had to have it. Then you got it, and after you got it, it wasn't long till it's just laying around, and you realize you didn't need it as bad as you thought you needed it, and and then after a while, it's uh, because of neglect, it deteriorated. And you think back about, well, we just had to have that when we had to have it. But after a while, we realized we didn't really value it. You think God maybe knows if we value his wisdom or not? I think so. He knows us, does he not? But he did say here, he said, you know, if you want it, if you really want it, you can have it. Through desire, a man, having separated himself, seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. You know, uh, You say, I want wisdom. Maybe this verse provokes us to think, well, how badly do we want it? Do we want it enough to separate ourselves? Do we want it enough uh, uh, to seek for it? You, if you go back all the way, to, you don't have to take, turn to it, but if you go all the way back to Proverbs in chapter number two, and remember those words, if you will receive wisdom, hide wisdom, incline your ear to wisdom, Cry after wisdom. Lift up your voice for wisdom. Seek her like you do silver. Search for her like you do treasure. Then you can find it. And so you ask yourself, how badly do you want it? Do you want as bad as Hannah did? She made a fool out of herself weeping and crying and praying. You want it as bad as Daniel did who put the food away for three weeks so he could get something for God? Or Moses who had nothing to eat for 40 days in a row twice? Because he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. He wanted something from God. Wisdom is for those who desire it. The Lord said this in Mark 11. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, 
Believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Faith and desire are put together in this verse. If you want it, God said, one of the ways you can get something from God. And by the way, let me say this about God's prayer promises. God's prayer promises are not qualifiers. They're invitations. They're invitations. There's a lot of different prayer promises. You don't have to stack them all up and make sure you obey every one of them before you get a prayer answer. Just pick any one of them and use it. Amen. They're all tickets. <laughs> you don't have to have all the tickets to win. You get one ticket. Amen. Desire. If you want it, God said, I'll give it to you for that. If you have faith, I'll give it to you for that. If you have somebody you agree with it, I'll give it to you for that. These are all promises. Sometimes we, we make, uh, make it more difficult. Than God's trying to get it to us. Amen. We think he's trying to keep it back from us, and he's trying to get it to us. And he says, you want wisdom? Want it. Desire it. It's, for, it's there for you if you desire it. If you desire it. This desire, I believe, is what separates the haves from the have-nots. Did you ever watch a lesser team beat a more skilled, a more talented team? You ever see that? You know what it was in most cases? The lesser team wanted it more. They wanted it more. You know, there's few things as much fun as watching somebody who really wants something. I mean, really wants it. Go after it. I mean, just the, the drive, the determination, the desire. And uh, it'll push you over the top. And God said, if you want it, you're going to have it. There's something else in here, and that's also that wisdom is for those who desire it enough to separate themselves. This desire and separation are intertwined in this verse through desire a man having separated himself. Listen, the Olympic athlete gives up some things in pursuit of a gold medal. From a little child early in the morning to late at night, probably changing his educational uh, pathway and many other things in his life. Why? Be able to stand up on a stool one day with a, with a, a gold medal hung around his neck. Now, that's wonderful. But do we want wisdom as bad as the guy that wants the gold medal around his neck? Do you know what happens to trophies? Do you know what happens to trophies? They collect dust. <laughs> Even Olympic gold medals. I, I'm not speaking against desire. I'm advocating for desire. You understand? But my point is this. If a person could desire something as temporal as a trophy, as temporal as a gold medal, then surely you and I could see to some degree the value of wisdom. This is a book of wisdom and want it enough at least to read the book. Amen. At least to beg for it and pray for it. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, the Bible said, which gives to all men liberally. The medical student gives up something to become a doctor. The professional athlete gives up something for his profession. The entrepreneur gives up many things to start his business. The spelling bee champion gives up things to be the spelling bee champion. If you and I want wisdom, we can. But it means we have to separate from some things. Amen? If you're going to be the best at, uh, uh, if you're going to be a, a, an athlete, for example, there's some things you can't put in your mouth. There's some things you can't swallow down your throat, right? We understand these things. And God says, same way with wisdom. I remember Brother Howes preaching a message one time, and he built around a young man to come to him as a young preacher. And he said, Dr. Howes said, would you lay your hands on me and ask God to give me the wisdom he's given you? He said, no. He said, no. He said, no, I won't. He said, because you can't get it that way. 
And he said, I would do you an injustice to pretend otherwise. Son, I'll pray for you. I'm happy to pray for you. And I'll pray for God to give you wisdom. But if you think that you can have somebody put their hands on top of your head and pray for you for a moment or two, and you receive the wisdom that they have been working for and searching for for five decades, you're sadly mistaken, son. It's a good lesson in that, wasn't it? I heard the, I read the story of a man, a young preacher who was at a meeting and several older preachers there, one greatly used of God. After the service, he, he said, uh, said, I want to know what the, the secret of your power is. I want to preach with power like you preach, and God moves hearts, and I want to preach that way. And he said, uh, uh, I want to know, I want to know. And he kept, he kept after that old man of God. And they were at a conference center, uh, uh, some, what you might think of as a campground. And, uh, and uh, he said, follow me down here to the lake. And that old man of God, this young man, took him down to the, the side of the lake. And this young man just, wait, what's, what's he going to tell me? What's he going to tell me? What's he going to show me? Something great. I'm going to learn something great here. I want to preach with power like he preaches with power. He said, son, let's get on our knees by the water's edge. And they got on their knees right by the water's edge. He said, let's bow our heads together. That, that young man, they bowed their heads together. And presently, that old man of God grabbed that young man by the neck and stuffed his head under the water. And that young man shocked and he's fighting and throwing his flail in his arms or whatever. <laughs> and left him in there a little while. He pulled his head back. <laughs> he said, what are you trying to do? He said, son, when you want God's power and blessing on your life as bad as you want to breathe, you can have it. It's a pretty good lesson, isn't it? Yeah, you young men want something, you come and we'll go down uh, to the river and I'll, never mind. Now, here's something special, too. Now, listen to this. Moms and dads, don't miss this. Isaiah 44, verse 3 says, I will pour water upon him that is thirsty. It goes on to say, I will pour my spirit upon thy seed and my blessing upon thine offspring. That's overflow blessings. If I understand that verse, and I can, if my desire is such that I'm willing to barrage heaven with my prayers and seek the face of God and be thirsty and be thirsty and be thirsty and beg God and beg God, God will put blessing on my life that will overflow to my seed and to my offspring. Isn't that wonderful? I really and truly believe that's what we're enjoying here. And I remember... Uh, I remember hearing my parents pray that many times. Lord bless and use our children even more than you've used us. And now they pray that for their grandchildren. That's good. That's overflow blessings. Amen. Look at verse number two. The Bible says a fool hath no delight in understanding, but that his heart may discover itself. Now here understanding, wisdom, knowledge, and understanding are intertwined throughout the Bible. And here's a fool, and the Bible says he doesn't really care about those things, wisdom, knowledge, understanding. He doesn't really care about it. He has no delight in them. But for one reason, and that his heart may discover itself. The word discover there means to uncover or to reveal. To uncover or to reveal. So this is the kind of guy, the only reason he wants to... Knowledge is so everybody can know how smart he is. That's what this verse is describing. So we'll say this. The purpose of learning is not to show others how smart you are. <laughs> Amen. 
Do you know what Paul said? We should be all things to all men. Now, I love to read. I love to read. I love to read. And I love to learn while I read. I love to mark words that I'm not familiar with as I read. But, uh, 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 you know, Paul, part of being what Paul said, I'm all things to all men. It means this. You don't, none of us should put on airs in front of anybody else. Amen. And we ought to be willing to communicate in a way that someone can understand. Amen. We, 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 we talk to folks on their level, if you will. Uh, just because I know a, wor- a big word or two uh, doesn't mean it's going to help me win a mechanic to Christ or whoever. And so, uh, but the fool, he gets, listen, a lot of folks are impressed with, <laughs> we have, we have, we have young people in this nation with $200,000 degrees that can't get a job. They can't get a job. Exactly where do you go to get a job in gender studies? McDonald's? Walmarts? You know, where do you go? I mean, we, 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 uh, first of all, let me say this. Let me say, can I just say this? I think if you're going to be whatever you're going to be, you should prepare to be it. Amen? If you're going to be a mechanic, I want, I want Let's see if you got that little patch on your arm, okay? If you're going to be a doctor, I, I'd like to know that there's a piece of paper on the wall. If you're going to cut me open, I, I just would like to know this. But can I tell you something? This idea in America that the only way to be a success in life is you got to go off to some college and pay some exorbitant amount of money to get a piece of paper. Let me, let, let me tell you something. Our nation is suffering right now because nobody wants to do the work to get your hands dirty. No, we, 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 we have, now not everybody believes this, but too many people believe this, that the pathway to wealth is you got to go get a degree and spend an exorbitant amount of money and run up a bunch of debt. I guess they're hoping some uh, a liberal uh, president will just erase the debt or something. That teaches character. Anyway, but listen, you know, you can succeed in life. Just roll your sleeves up and work. Amen? You can, you can succeed. Uh, a wise person wants knowledge because he needs it. He realizes it, it, it is a tool that he can use to help others. The foolish person wants knowledge so he can show off how smart he is to everybody. But he's not smart. His pants might be smart, but he's not smart. I thought that was funny. Verse number three. When the wicked cometh, then cometh also contempt. And with ignominy reproach. He said, Pastor, what in the world is ignominy? I have no idea. Let's go on to verse number four. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <clears throat> the word ignominy means public disgrace. Public disgrace. Look at the words here in this verse, contempt. Contempt means shame or disgrace. Ignominy means public disgrace. The word reproach means to charge with a fault. Now consider the verse again. When the wicked cometh, then cometh also contempt, ignominy, reproach. Here's a little statement for you. Wickedness has associates. You could say it this way. Wickedness has pals. Buddies, friends, associates. You understand that? 
Wickedness doesn't come by itself. I'm just a second here. I'm going to show you some pictures. Levi, I don't know if you have them ready, but in just a moment, just a moment. Now, I want to show you this, and you've all, probably everybody in here has seen something like this before. And I want to do this. I want to be clear. Not to bring shame to anyone. Not to add to anyone's shame. But simply to illustrate that wickedness. Okay, listen. Fornication is wicked. It's wicked. Biblically, it's wicked to engage in sexual activity outside the bounds of marriage. There's nothing in the Bible any more clear than that. And it has consequences. Alcohol use. It doesn't come by itself. Drug use, it doesn't come by itself. Wickedness has some compadres, some companions, some associates, some pals. And when you invite a little wickedness in your life, you also invite shame and disgrace and eventually public disgrace. Go ahead. I think you've got about four of these. What, what you have there, if you can, can you read? I don't know if you can read it. But what you have there is an arrest timeline. This particular individual in the top left corner is 28 years old. And in the bottom right corner is 32 years old. And you can follow the change. You can see the change. That's four years. That's four years. Man, there's men spotted around this room right now can testify to this personally. Um, I think we have a couple more of them. Just for sake of illustration, there's two different uh, individuals. Um, the first three, one, two, three, go across the top and the next one. That's in one year's time. The next three, uh, so the second row on the right would be the first, then the bottom left and the bottom right. That's age 30, 32, and 35. Same, same lady. 30, 32, and 35. These are mug shots from when they were arrested, of course. And I think there's one, maybe two more. Here's another one. Age 30, 30, 30, 30, 31, 32. You, look. You don't just invite a little wickedness in your life. It brings disease. Uh, next, I think there's one more. Age 45, age 53, age 54. Nine years. Thank you, Levi. I appreciate that. Um, when the wicked cometh, some other things come along too. Verse number four. The Bible said the words of a man's mouth are as deep waters and the wellspring of wisdom as a flowing brook. You know, we read these, so many of these verses become similar throughout the book of Proverbs. How many times have we discussed wisdom and the Bible talks about wisdom as being a well, it's down deep. Wise people don't, wise people don't carry their wisdom on the surface 
wise people have wisdom down deep. They're usually often the last ones to speak. And uh, many times the first one to speak is the one whose water is shallow. But the man that's got some depth and some wisdom down there is typically the one who spares his words. We just talked about that in our last lesson. And so uh, here's another verse compelling us to get around wise people. Get Here's the statement, get around wise people, get around wise people, get around wise people. And when you get around them, don't do all the talking. Do more listening than you do talking, amen? And, uh, and uh, it takes a little while to get that bucket down all the way down in the well where the sweet water is down there, where the cool, refreshing water is, amen? You know, here's, here's something about today. Uh, communication, is, it's a two-edged sword. We can communicate with people on the other side of the world. It's a wonderful thing. We can get a video of a man in Thailand preaching the gospel, and that's part of a blessing. But one of the things is anybody can, anybody can say anything and put it out there. <laughs> anybody. We have no clue who's, saying, who, who's talking to us. But anybody can say anything and, and put it out there. And, uh, and, uh, and, 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 and again, folks with their... But the biggest opinions typically aren't the wisest folks in a matter. Wisdom, the Bible says, is a wellspring. It's deep water. And so, young people, let me just encourage you. Get around wise people. And if you listen, that's not something you need to do one day. This is something you need to do today. Amen? This is something you need to do today. You young people that are at colleges, you get around people. You find people who have God's hand on their life. And don't you miss having a relationship with them. Don't you do that. Don't you miss that? Get around wise people. That's how you get wisdom. And uh, uh, I, I uh, Brother Bobby Robertson preached here uh, several messages here over the years. But my favorite thing about having Bobby Robertson is, or going to hear him preach, is just him standing around talking after the service. He'd give more wisdom uh, after the service. We have we. We, have a, we had a meal uh, one time, some preachers and all, and he preached for us. And just sitting around him talking at the meal, man alive, it was just like, just soaking it up like a sponge. The man forgotten more than I'll learn in a lifetime, 63 years at the same church. Now, young people, I'm just saying, listen, you ought to value wisdom. You ought to value wisdom, and you ought to get around wise people. I love this little picture. It's a picture of Lily Robertson. Most of you have seen this time and again. But uh, I guess that was my third year of pastoring here. And he was, I think it was 89, somewhere. Maybe it might have been in his early 90s by that time. But he came one time. We had the honor of having him here one time. Pastor of the great Highland Park Baptist Church of Chattanooga, Tennessee. The great Tennessee Temple University. And uh, just great, just great, greatly used of God. And uh, and uh, I'm the, uh, Dr. Wendell Evans, the president of our college and seminary where I graduated. My pastor, Dr. Settle, uh, who uh, was preaching the night I got saved. Those men were trained under Dr. Lee Robertson. But anyway, that night, I think Brian Simmons, you snapped this picture if I'm not mistaken, and I was shaking hands or whatever, and the man of God was sitting on that little short pew up on the platform, and the service was over, and I looked at him, and, and, and he, was, he was looking at me, and we made eye contact, and he just he patted the, the back of the seat there like, come here, young man, sit down, I want to talk to you. So I went and sat down, and for probably about 15 minutes, he just sat there and told me, he said, now here's what you need to do. You're doing, he's doing a good job, doing a good job. He said, uh, he said, first of all, if you were pastoring this church 50 years ago, you'd have this many. And he said, uh, it's different now, it's different now, but you keep doing it, you're doing the right thing. You're doing good, you're doing good. And he said, now here's what you need to do next. He started telling me what I need to do with the buildings, with the people. And uh, man, I wish I had a, a voice recorder then. 
But anyway, that was precious to me. There's another picture. Of, uh, uh, this is, uh, this, that's Brother Howell's next to me. And I was still in Bible college, and we were engaged. We were engaged to be married. So I guess I was early 20s anyway. And, uh, but uh, uh, it was a, a trip, some of us in, a, in one of the ministries took a trip. And, and, and it was a bus trip, and we went up around Michigan. And at one point, uh, he and Dr. Ray Young were sitting in front of the bus, and uh, most everybody was sleeping. And I was back there. And uh, those men of God were talking with each other. And I slipped out of my seat. And I went up there. And I was probably 20, I guess, maybe maybe 21. Anyway, but I sat down in the, in the, in the, uh, in the stairwell so I could hear what they were saying. And, uh, and just listened to those men of God talk. I didn't say anything. I might have, I probably said, what, I don't know, they may have said something to me. But I didn't, I wasn't in the conversation. I was just listening. Now, my point is this. Young people, you ought to desire to be around wise people. And by the way, your mom and daddy have wisdom you haven't tapped yet. Your grandparents have wisdom you haven't tapped yet. The nursing home is filled with folks who have wisdom that's untapped. Wise people know and value and understand. Uh, that I, Dr. Dr., uh, Dr. Williams I spent uh, time with him by the hours, hours asking questions. I got all kinds of things written down. And uh, anyway, but uh, seek wisdom, seek wisdom. Number five, verse number five. It is not good to accept the person. That, that, the, to accept the person, that little phrase means to show partiality. In other words, uh, this person right here, I treat him differently. I treat this person. To accept his his person, or we, we might say his position, if you will. It is not good to accept the person of the wicked to overthrow the righteous in judgment. So here's a man who uh, 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 gives countenance, if you will, to a man of position who is, quote, unquote, somebody. And in so doing, he does injustice to a person who's doing right. Here's, uh, the Bible calls this wicked. It is not good to accept the person of the wicked to overthrow the righteous in judgment. Here's a statement for you if you're writing it down. Anything less than equal justice is wicked. Anything less than equal justice is wicked. Now, let me tell you something. How in the world a man who was not even in Washington, D.C. on January the 6th could be sentenced to 22 or 23 years in prison and he wasn't even on the property. That's godless. That's godless. The unequal application of laws in this country is an abomination to God Almighty. Deuteronomy 1.17, ye shall not respect persons in judgment. For, but ye shall hear the small as well as the great. Ye shall not be afraid of the face of man, for the judgment is God's and the cause is too hard for you. Bring it unto me and I will hear it. Do you know what a, what a U.S. senator made in 1972? You might, you might think of uh, someone who started in the Senate in 1972. Uh, I started adding it up and I just quit, put my calculator down, it was depressing. <laughs> <laughs> 
But uh, it was, I think it's $45,000. I, I just looked at it this afternoon. $45,000. Now, how in the world, if the only work you've ever done is public service, how in the world do you become a multi, multi-millionaire? How do you buy multi-million dollar houses on $45,000 a year? Hello? This is not rocket science, friends. It's not rocket science. And if that is not described in this verse right here, then I don't understand a single verse in the Bible. <laughs> it is not good to accept the person of the wicked to overthrow the righteous in judgment. Deuteronomy 16, 18 through 20. Judges and officers shall make thee, shalt thou make in all thy gates which the Lord thy God giveth thee throughout thy tribes, and they shall judge the people with just judgment. They shall not rest, W-R-E-S-T, which means to twist. Thou shalt not rest or twist judgment. Thou shalt not respect persons, neither take a gift, for a gift doth blind the eyes of the wise and pervert the words of the righteous. We see that word every single day. If you turn on the news, you can you will see that word in action. W-R-E-S-T. What it means, it means to take somebody's words and twist them. How do you do that? Play half of what they said. Play it out of order. Put a little piece of what someone said and then put a picture beside it. It's wicked. It's unjust. We, are, we in this country are calling law-abiding citizens evil and lawbreakers good, and God calls it wicked. Verse number six. A fool's lips enter into contention, and his mouth calleth for strokes. We're going to put verse seven uh, together, uh, verse six and seven together. A fool's mouth is his destruction, and his lips are the snare of his soul. A fool's lips enter into condition. This is a guy that, hey, hey man, hey, hey. You want some of this? Hey. You, trust me, you don't. <laughs> My grandfather used to say that right there. Life in the hospital, right there, sudden death. Anyway, uh, but the, 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 the ding dong, the fool that walks around sticking his nose in other people's business, trying to get in the Bible. Listen, that man is a fool, the Bible says. A fool calls for strokes. Verse 7 says, a fool's mouth is his destruction. So uh, here's a statement for these two verses. A fool's mouth gets him in trouble. Uh, this is Bible. It's not Pastor Shook right now. This is not your teacher. This is not your principal. This is your God and his Bible. And his Bible says that a fool's mouth gets him in trouble. Hey, kids, I got a question for you. Is your mouth getting you in trouble? Hmm? Is it? Well, I'm cute. Are you? Hmm. Let's see what the Bible says here. A fool's mouth is his destruction. And his lips are the snare of what? His own soul. <laughs> this is the kid that's looking for trouble. Constantly putting his two cents in where it doesn't belong. If there's a fight, he wants to be in it. If there's two people at odds, he wants the details. He wants to choose sides. If your mouth is getting you in trouble a lot, you should meditate on these two verses for a good while. Verse 8. 
The words of a talebearer. That's a gossip. The words of a talebearer. The one who bears the tale. T-A-L-E. Uh, uh, the gossip. The words of a talebearer are as wounds. And they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. Now, to whatever degree we, uh, with the little, uh, the little uh, adage, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. How many of you heard that before? All right, to whatever degree you say that so that you don't take something personal, maybe it has a little goodness, a little, a little value. But the fact of the matter is, words can hurt very deeply. That's what the Bible says. They go down into the innermost parts of the belly. We'll tie verse 21 in with this one as well. Look down the page at verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it. In other words, the power that words can have. They that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. So let's make this statement very simple. Words have power. Words have power. Careless words have power. Unjust words have power. Unkind words have power. Deceitful words have power. They cut deeply. You say, well, listen, let's get this, and I'm, let, let's get this, let's get this. Elsewhere, the Bible calls it repeating a matter. The repeater, the tale bearer, not, not the instigator, not the one who comes up with the story, but the one who bears the tale from one person to another. This is the one, the Bible says, that causes the innermost pain. This is the one elsewhere, the Bible says, that divides the chief or the best friends. You know, we, we expect our enemies to badmouth us, don't we? I mean, that, you sort of expect that. But when a quote-unquote friend repeats a tale, that hurts, doesn't it? The one who bears the tale or repeats the matter is the one who wounds the deepest. Let me give you five questions. If you're going to write something down tonight, write this down, okay? When you are tempted to relate something, something negative or something unflattering about another person, and that person is not standing right there in front of you. In other words, this is somebody that's not present. And you're tempted to share a little morsel. You heard a little, a juicy little something. And you just can't wait to tell it. And you know it's, uh, it's unflattering toward the other person. It's negative about the other person. Here's what you ought to ask yourself. Number one, is it true? Is it true? Well, I don't know. Well, why, why are you opening your mouth then? Number two, is it kind? Help me out, church. Ready? Be ye kind one to another. That is in the Bible still, right? That's not a verse that applies to everything except our words. <laughs> Ask yourself, number one, is it true? Number two, is it kind? Number three, is it necessary? Well, it's not that bad, is it? Before you, before you enjoy the thrill of bearing that tale, 
whispering that gossip. Ask yourself, do you know, does this really, does this, do I really need to do this? Do I really need to say this? Is this necessary? Number four, is it my place to tell? Is it my place to tell? Hey, this is, by the way, this goes with things negative and positive. This goes with things negative and positive. Uh, on the negative side, if it's not your business to care for it, then you keep your, you say, ah, I know all about this. Okay, I'm sorry. I feel sorry for you then. <laughs> but if it's not your place to address the matter, you keep your mouth shut and let the person who is, that's their child, that's their class, that's their whatever. You let them deal with it. You let them be the one. You don't need to, uh, Brother Hamilton, just so you know, Mr. Cook's going to be coming to you uh, to let you know that's not your place. You hear me? Well, they're going to know about it. Yeah, and that's not your place to tell. Well, I, and that's not your place to tell. Right? Okay. And then lastly, have I spoken to the individual myself? Have I spoken to the individual myself? Listen, you know what's all about 90% of gospel? If someone comes and says, and, 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 and I've had the privilege of, of doing uh, such things. Pastor, uh, listen. Uh, Brother Calvin, I, I feel like you need to know this. Brother Calvin, I say, you know what? I think Brother Calvin's still here. Hold on just a minute. I go, oh, no, 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 no. I don't want you to. Are you concerned about Brother Calvin? Huh? Yeah. Well, I love Brother Calvin. Did you get, oh, I care about him. Okay, well, let's go get him. He's involved in this, right? Uh-huh. Well, I, I guess you don't, I don't really need if you don't listen, if you're so concerned about righteousness, how come you haven't talked to the individual yourself? So, is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? Is it my place to tell? And number five, have I spoken to the individual myself? Let's look at one more. Verse number nine. He also that is slothful in his work is brother to him that is a great waster. He also that is slothful in his work is brother to him that is a great waster. Very simple. Laziness and waste go together. Laziness and waste go together. Um, remember the story in Luke 15, prodigal. We took, we took the prodigal son. The word prodigal means wasteful. And the Bible said he went into a far country and he wasted all his living. Now this man, we don't know how big the estate was, but this young man went to his dad and he said, give me that which is mine, my inheritance. And his dad's still living. He said, I'm going to wait for you to die, dad. I want my part now. And his dad gave it to him. And the Bible said he put it all in one bag, which means that took some time to sell off his portion of the land or the livestock or whatever else. And, and, but and what an idiot he was, take all that and put it in one bag. That's not real smart, uh, obviously. Uh, but anyway, uh, but he took his sack of money, went off in the far country, and the Bible said he wasted all of his living. He wasted it and uh, wound up friendless. Laziness and waste go together. You say, what caused that boy to run away from home? It might have been because he had to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning or maybe 4 o'clock in the morning, whatever time you had to go to get those livestock fed. Maybe he got tired of that. He said, man, this, this, 
This farm life is not for me. I'm going to the city. He wasn't as prepared for the city as he thought he was, was he? Now, young people, listen to me. You, it, your laziness is going to make your life very difficult. Laziness will make your life very difficult. Your, your life will be wasted. Your opportunities will be wasted. Your resources will be wasted. You know, sometimes, on the staff, I'm not picking on anybody because um, <laughs> we all understand this, but it's a lot of buildings. There's a lot of lights. There's a lot of heat and air units just in this one building. But how many times over the years have we discussed, ah, the heat was left on last night. And we work, work hard. Now, if we do our due diligence, it takes a while to lock up this place. By the way, if any, any of you, uh, anybody wants to, you men wanna, that are responsible want to jump in, I'm sure these staff may be happy to have your help with that. But anyway, but this has, place has to be locked down, and that means all the lights off. That means making sure that the heat and air is not running when it's not supposed to be running. So we're not just blowing dollars, you know, out the, out the vents all night long or whatever. Uh, but but uh, it, it, you can cut corners. You can cut corners, but eventually... You guys in business, you know this. Eventually, that's going to cost you, isn't it? You can cut corners, but eventually, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. I, I, I'm, I'm thinking of a mother right now that I met not that long ago. She's going to school and working two jobs with a terminally ill son, and she mortgaged her house to pay for her older son's college education and he got kicked out for not going to class. Here she is going to school, working two jobs, trying to tend to a terminally ill son in the hospital, mortgages her house to pay for a kid's education who couldn't care less enough about it to even show up to class. Laziness and waste go together. Young people, listen. You don't, don't, listen. You make the most of your opportunities. Young people, listen. Make the most of your opportunities. Amen? Make the most of your opportunities. The one who works for something is the one who will appreciate it. Let me say one more thing. Young men, as soon as you're able, uh, buy yourself a home. Buy a house. That's biblical. Um, the prophet told the people of God to do that. Uh, own, a, own a home. I, I know not everybody can do that. This is not a matter of judgment. This is just advice to young men. Instead of buying a $900 phone, buy a $75 phone or get one of the free phones and put that $900 back and put some more back and put some more back and put some more back until you can buy a home. Amen? Now, we didn't buy a home our first year of marriage, obviously. Uh, I didn't have a wealthy dad. Well, I did, but he didn't give me anything. But anyway, no. Uh, but of course. But you know what? God, God, God honors hard work. God honors hard work. And uh, but you know what? It's good for you to have a place you got to take care of. That's good for you. Amen. It's good for you. And um, and uh, something you have to take care of. Something that demands you to get up <laughs> when the water breaks and goes off and so forth like that. That's good for you. That's good for you. It's sad to me. It's sad to me. We, we, what, there's a lot of things going on in our society right now. But in our society right now, 
There are more young adults that are living off their mom and dad. Now, you can live with your mom and dad and be profitable. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about do-nothings. You know what the Bible says. The Bible said, if you're too sorry to work, then you have no right to eat. That's what the Bible said. It said, if a man, first of all, it said this. He said, if a man will not provide for his own house, his household, he's worse than an infidel. He's worse than an unbeliever. A man who calls himself a believer and he won't provide for his family, the Bible says he's worse than an unbeliever. He's worse than an infidel. And then he said, if a man will not work. And if a man can't work, sometimes a man cannot work. We understand this. But it said, if a man will not work, neither should he eat. That may, Listen, in our society, one reason that we're upside down and backwards, and each of us, oh, whatever the ungodly number is, 30,000, 50,000, 60,000, whatever it is that all of us individually owe when you take the national debt of the United States of America and divide it among us all. One reason is why, you know why? Because we have been rewarding non-productivity for decades. You folks in here at work and and you've worked hard, you you remember the first time you looked at you and you said, boy, I can't wait. Man, my check this week is going to be awesome. I worked 10 extra hours. And you worked overtime 10 hours and you, you got less than your check. And you said, what in the world have I done? And you went to the boss and said, well, man, you work that many hours, you pay more taxes. The Bible principle is you reward productivity, don't punish productivity. Easiest thing in all the world to do is for politicians to say, those greedy millionaires, those greedy business people, those greedy corporations, they need to pay their first share. How about, how about, let people work and reap the reward and benefit of their work and keep what they earn. Well, who's going to take care of all the fellas that's in their pajamas at 11.30 in the morning? Can't keep their pants up. They're going to get hungry. Guess what they're going to do when they get hungry? They're going to go looking for a J-O-B. We're, we just we ought to follow, we ought to follow this book, amen. Now, I can't make my whole nation follow this book, but bless the Lord, all oh my soul, I'm gonna do whatever I can to get us folks to follow this book right here, amen. So, young man, work hard, save your money, uh, don't 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 spend your money for it. Don't buy, don't buy nine hundred dollar anything, and put it back and get your house one day, amen, and get your wife. And get you and do it in that order, Amen. Get you a wife, Amen. then get you some kids, Amen. And put a roof over their head. I used listen. I don't know if teenagers still do. I, when I was fifteen years old, I thought about this. When I was fifteen, I said, "Man, I, I want to get married one day. I want to have a family one day." I, I thought I, that was a desire of mine. I wanted that. Man, I, let's say so when I when I got when I got of age, college age, I was looking for a wife. I wanted a wife. And there were some girls, you know, and we talked and stuff like that. And then one day, I was, oh. 
Ooh. Oh. Now that girl, yeah, I've seen a cute girl here and there. Yeah, oh, yeah, cute girls around that, whatever. That's the one I'd like to spend the rest of my life with. Amen? And we've been through it pretty good, 31 years yesterday. Oh, I owe her a kiss, don't I? This will be the last thing we do tonight. God bless you.